Welcome back to Women of Grace in the Marketplace, a new brand new episode here with Danelle Keith and myself, Lori Clapper. And we're excited to have a personal friend of both of ours here on Women of Grace in the Marketplace, a professional colleague, a personal friend, because Connie is an author and she is living the dream right now. Isn't she, Janelle? I mean, serious. You don't meet very many people in your life that are doing that. And Connie is, and her husband, David, are living the dream. It's just amazing to sit back and watch how this dream has been unfolding in her life. Yeah, we've known her for a few years now. And we'll, we'll hear a little bit more about uh, this dream and, and what they're doing now in, uh, in a few minutes. But Connie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so great to be with you. Now, Connie is from uh, Erie County, Pennsylvania area where I am, but she is currently in Montana. But Connie, let's start out with uh, a little bit of your personal testimony, if you could share that with us. Sure. Um, just a little bit about myself. Um, my husband, David, and I will have been married 48 years this year. Woo and he always says, I never knew forever was this long. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, he's quite the comedian. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, two biological sons, three adopted daughters, and uh, 13 grandchildren. Wow. And, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So when we all get together, whoo, <laughs> 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 the crowd. That's for sure. Um, I guess, but I wanted to share that um, I dedicated my life to the Lord, really dedicated my life when I was in my early 30s. Um, my father died at a really young age. He was only 53. And I think I was 28 when that happened. And it really had a profound impact on my life, um, the rest of my life. And I remember telling the Lord a scary thing. I didn't know how scary it was back then. <laughs> but I said, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Wow. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And <laughs> Um, a few months later, he asked us to adopt uh, a biracial, a little biracial girl with pretty curly black hair. And um, she was three months old when we adopted her. And then a few, a few years later, we adopted a beautiful little African-American girl with long braids. And I actually remember I had a dream before we adopted her of um, this little girl with long braids pulling on my shirt and calling me mommy and I, I just remember how it just really felt like a confirmation you know that that was that was it really was from the Lord and our sons were uh, young when they were I think seven and eight when we first adopted um, Michelle and then they were teenagers like 13 and 14 when we adopted Amy so um, I, I'm always so proud of them, how it was just a natural, normal thing. You know, they were, they were just sisters, you know, they weren't adopted sisters. They were just, they were their sisters mm. and, you know, it was beautiful. Um, but adoption is a ministry, you know, anyone who adopts um, or who's thinking about adoption really needs to understand that, that it is a ministry. All adopted children bring with them a certain measure of feelings of rejection or abandonment. Uh, many, many of them bring experiences of abuse. So 
adoption is is definitely a ministry. That's how you know how I look at it. What our experience was. Now you haven't always been a mom. You've been in the corporate world as well, right? Yeah, I, I was. Um, had a number of kind of secretarial jobs when I was younger, but I really um, spent the bulk of my career working in ministries such as a pregnancy aid center, um, and then. I supervised and ran uh, a transitional living program for homeless women and children. I even uh, supervised a homeless uh, shelter and program for homeless veterans. So that, there's where I spent a lot of my years uh, ministering to um, w- troubled women, uh, women who had been abused for a lot of years. And then the last few, the last five years of my working career, I worked for, it was a secular nonprofit, but the focus was really training uh, law enforcement, child protective services, mental health professionals in about how to recognize, better recognize um, child sex trafficking and how to best serve those uh, survivors mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that that was pretty intense <laughs> i i would say so because that's really a hot topic right now with the the release yeah. of sound of freedom i'm sure you've seen that and yeah every, everybody's getting riled up about it for sure for sure yeah. and, and what yeah it would be interesting to hear what your aspect of that is what what can we do you know people that don't have to deal with that every day what how can we help in this effort that is heartbreaking i'm going to draw on your professional experience now (laughs) (laughs) well i think there's there's a number of ways that that the average person can help um number one is uh, getting informed you know um i haven't seen that movie and i'm probably not going to see the movie uh, because I had I have spent so much time sitting with victims, you know, sitting with survivors, hearing their stories directly. I know the impact that that had on me, and mm-hmm. um, you know that that was that, <laughs> that was sufficient, I guess. Yeah, I you lived it. You lived it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was sufficient. But but what everyone can do is um, to understand. Uh, what what this process is, what happens to these kids. It starts most of the time, uh, they're, they're targeting children who've already been abused. They're targeting mm-hmm. children maybe who are in the foster care system. They're targeting children who have run away. They're targeting young teenage girls who, who are uh, feeling isolated and um, alone. And they mm-hmm. know what to do and they know what to say and they know how to you know, hit that tender spot in them. And unfortunately, because they've already been uh, abused, they're, they've been groomed for that life. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, unfortunately, they're just such easy targets for the traffickers because uh, they've already been trained. They've already had their, you know, their self-esteem trash. They've already been so traumatized. Yeah. 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 So for us to... to to know this, to be aware, and you know, just paying attention when we meet a child or a teenager uh, 
listen to the Lord. What is the Lord saying? Is there something that we can do, a way that we can get involved, just to love on that child, just to be open and available? Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's that's really the start. <laughs> it's, it's a very serious one that we all need to be working towards the it solution. Is. So if there is, we'll kind of wrap up this topic for now until we get to uh, a little later in, in the show. But how can we help organizations that that are outreaches to trafficking survivors and uh, victims? Yeah, I think, you know, the, to be able to volunteer, it really takes kind of some special skill sets. Um, but there are always some types of positions, volunteer positions that nonprofits you know, can benefit from, um, always donations, you know, it, it's hard for nonprofits that are doing this type of intense work to ha- always have to be constantly working about fundraising too, you know, yeah. as a nonprofit, mm-hmm. that's a big piece of, of what you have to do all the time is fundraising, fundraising, fundraising. And so, um, to have the support of donations and then, mm-hmm. um, some skilled volunteers, you know, is is crucial for them. We're here with author Connie Miller, and um, I'm going to go ahead and tack on to her a job description that she is living the dream. Now, we just heard from her about where she was, you know, in their past. And now we're going to fast forward to how did you get to this dreamy part of your life? And, you know, tell us about the funny moment that in your, uh, in your uh, mind, actually, that that says, wait, I got to pull back from this job. I've got to take a step back. This is causing uh, me great anxiety and it's affecting my health. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, OK, so we we're talking about when three years ago, right, when that that whole event happens. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was I was working for this um, nonprofit. And it was during COVID. Um, <laughs> I remember first hearing about Zoom meetings going, what? what is this Zoom? I have no idea what Zoom is. Uh, but what it caused for me was we had to redo, reschedule all of the trainings that we had planned for the whole year, like 80 some trainings. And I had you know, already made all the arrangements and uh, so we, we were rescheduling everything and had to get everything over Zoom. And it was a number of, I call it the perfect storm of stressors that hit me all at one time. It was, um, I was doing the, the work of three people at, at my job. They hadn't, someone else had quit. They hadn't, you know, filled that position. And then we had basically doubled the amount of trainings that I was doing uh, because of the new program we were launching uh, regarding child sex trafficking. And <laughs> it just grew. The, the, we were really pioneering something new in the state of Pennsylvania, and I was the lead staff. And mm. so I was working with national experts, state-level experts, uh, we were developing curriculum. I was launching, you know, these pilot trainings and forums. And so it, it was, it just felt like it was exploding how it was all coming together. And at the same time, um, 
the agency I worked for was going through a lot of turmoil and it became a very toxic environment for me. Um, mm -hmm. in, in addition to the responsibilities and the, the workload, now I also had this very toxic environment that I was trying to negotiate through. And, and then COVID hit. And so um, I started, I started noticing, um, well, it built, it, it wasn't all at once, wham. I should have, you know, I, you hear about people suffering with stress and you think, ah, stress, you know, <laughs> what's, what's that? I can push through, I can do this, I can manage, ah. you know, I was the kind of person, can you do this? Sure, I could do it. And I just, you know, I just did it. I pushed yeah. through and I did it. Well, I started having times where, like on Monday mornings, I couldn't get out of bed. And over the weekend, I was so exhausted. It took me until Saturday night to begin to be able to feel good or enough to, to get around. And then on Sunday, I started panicking because I knew what comes the next day is Monday. And I yeah. was going to be thrown into that. And it, it just became so intense. Uh, my muscles began to, to just ache and hurt. Uh, I had headaches all the time. And finally, um, it culminated in, I started having very loud, intense ringing in my ears, just constantly. It never went away. And it got louder and louder. And I began to have trembling that, that just didn't stop. Uh, I started having panic attacks. Before this, I didn't even know what a panic attack was. Mm. And um, so all of, all of this hit me, and there was no way I could work. Um, I tried. I kept trying to, you know, trying to uh, be on the Zoom calls and set things up, and I couldn't do it. I was just, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, I had nothing. I had nothing. And so I had to call them and, and step down, which... Of course, they didn't want me to do that. You know, I was the lead. I, I was the one that knew everything, but I had no choice. Mm -hmm. I, I could not work. I could barely even function. Um, mm -hmm. it, was, it was really terrifying. I, I didn't know what was happening to me. Um, now, looking back, you know, I understand what was happening. And nobody wanted to tell me. The doctors didn't want to tell me. Nobody wanted to come out and say, this is what happened to you, Connie. But um, I basically had um, a nervous breakdown. I guess that's what you would call it. It was this giant rush of cortisol um, into my brain that just kind of fried some of those pathways. Yeah. And so I've been on the road to recovery, you know, from that for the last three years. Wow. It's been, it's been a long road. Mm. It's been yeah. a long road, but God has been... God has been faithful. I realized what he spared me from in that moment when I had that, you know, that attack. Um, and little by little, he's restoring me. He's healing me. He's moving my life in a whole different direction now. Now, before you... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, before you finally just had to step away because of your physical issues... Was God kind of nudging you in that direction? And you just, you know, this was like your baby that you were doing and, and uh, presenting yeah. all across the state. I mean, it yeah. was it hard for you to step away? And then finally, <laughs> God just said, it, it, okay. It was. Yeah. It was very hard. I mean, 
I, I didn't understand. He, I, I know for a couple months before that, he had been telling me, this isn't for you to carry forward. If you've done your part, you've done what I asked you to do. This isn't for you to be responsible to carry this project forward. And, and I want you to quit. And I thought, how can I quit? You know, I'm, I'm the lead, I'm the lead on this project and our, God doesn't make call me to be a quitter. You know, I mean, you just, right. you have all these thoughts that go back and forth, but um, looking back on it now, you know, I understand why he wanted me to quit and that he had a better plan. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't mm -hmm. seeing it. I, I just, he's mm -hmm. showing me, you know, new levels since then, of course, of ways to trust him and ways to not have to understand his ways sometimes and just follow him and trust him. And mm -hmm. uh, that, that's a hard lesson. Especially <laughs> when you're lesson. when you're really passionate about what you yes. do, you know, yeah, absolutely. Like you said, like, I can't quit on this. This is something I'm, yeah. you know, yeah, so excited about. But, you know, but since then, you know, he he did make a way just like he said he would. And he he turned the project over to a very, very qualified, very qualified woman <clears throat> mm. who who carried it forward in the way that it should go. And yeah, so yeah, it's all good. It's, it's all good. <laughs> so in a way, God came down and personally rescued you from a very uh, uh, debilitating situation because of yes. your health. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell us about this Red Rock therapy that he, he sent you to. <laughs> yeah, we, we just have about a minute left, Connie. So we'll let's touch on it a little bit, and then we'll come back with more. <laughs> okay, so my husband decided that the best thing for me, and he was so right, um, was to take me on uh, what he called Red Rock therapy, because he knows how much I love the Red Rocks of Southern Utah and Arizona and uh, he said, you're getting in the truck, woman. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going out on this Red Rock therapy with me. And uh, so we did. We packed up the RV nah. headed out. Our guest is author Connie Miller. And I hope you were listening for the past half hour because... Uh, man, this story is just getting better and better as we go. And Connie, you just talked a little bit about when you, well, really, I think God forced you out of a job that you loved, that you were passionate about, uh, because, you know, you felt that nudging that you were supposed to leave, but it's hard to leave when you're really excited and passionate about what you do, right? And, right. and you know, your health was deteriorating so much that you had to step away, and your husband... What a guy. He said, we are packing things up. We are heading out west. You are coming. And what did you say to him? Because, you know, you were not doing well with no. your health. Like, did you think he was a little crazy for this idea? <laughs> I mean, I want to be serious. I mean, <laughs> I, I know. I, I mean, I wanted to go, of course, because I part of me wanted to go because I love traveling so much. And I, yes, I wanted to see Southern Utah again. But I also knew that it was very hard for me to, to travel at that time. Even just driving, riding in, I couldn't drive at all. I couldn't personally drive. Um, and even riding just made the, um, the ringing get so much worse and I got dizzy. So I thought, how am I gonna, how am I gonna ride every day 
hours and hours a day and uh, not feel so sick. And I was really afraid. And finally he said, you know what? You're going <laughs> because this is this is it's the best thing for you. If I have to drug you, you're going in the truck. You're going <laughs> on this vacation. It's like, okay, okay. Don't have to do that. But he was so good to me. Oh, my gosh. Um, we took kind of a slow way uh, in the beginning. We took the Natchez Trace Highway for uh, about 400 miles. And it's just a beautiful two-lane highway. There's there's no stressors. There's no semis. You know, it's just calm and beautiful. And it was so smart of him. And we didn't have to travel hours and hours and hours a day. We took our time when I needed breaks. You know, we took we took breaks and it was such a peaceful way to start that that journey. It, it was great. It really was. He was right. <laughs> <laughs> he loved to hear that, right? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, he he tells everyone about my book. He says, read my read Connie's book. It makes me look really good. <laughs> Well, Connie, you know, you say that, but I really love how, uh, the way you put it in your book, uh, that you were supposed to trust God and trust David, right? Yes. Even though you yeah, I mean, probably didn't feel like yeah. doing all this most of the time when you were really at the height of no. your physical ailments. That's right. That That's what he put in my heart and reminded me of that over and over and taught me along the way what that really meant. <clears throat> and, you know, I'm still doing that to this to this day. He reminds me of it, you know, even now in, in moments when when I'm unsure, you know, you get into those moments when you're traveling, when you're driving, where, where you know, it's like, ah, it, it, did we make a wrong turn? You know, is this where we're supposed to be? Is this what we're supposed to be doing? And just to stay, stay in that mindset of trust God and trust David. And, you know, it's beautiful what our daughter Stephanie uh, told me about that which I thought was so cool and she's so right she said mom you're really trusting God twice because you're trusting God and you're trusting the God in David you know in dad the, the yeah. leading of God, you know mm -hmm. through through dad so you're really mm -hmm. trusting God twice I'm like, mm -hmm. I like that yeah I like that love <laughs> the trust hey who needs <laughs> I sure do Tell us a couple of like two or three standout stories from your from your first trip. Oh boy, and and you know this this the Lord brought this thought to me this morning. You know when we we're I saw you know talk about a standout story. A lot of the stories, it's not that they're so big or flashy. It's not that, that even necessarily about maybe the destination where we were at, but it's about moments that we saw God move. Yes. You know, moments that, that we saw God in action. It's moments when he really spoke to my heart at mm -hmm. a time when I really, really needed to hear from him. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's experiencing that supernatural uh, move of him that you remember forever. And that, you know, he told me to share. Yeah. That, you know, he, he, he told me to share. So, so some of the stories there are about the destination, but others are about the beautiful encounter that we had with God. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes the book so special. Um, but one of, 
a funny, a funny story I'll share. <laughs> um, we were in, um, let's see, Death Valley. And I heard that there was a waterfall in Death Valley. I'm like, okay, that's unusual, right? A waterfall in Death Valley. And <clears throat> I heard that it wasn't, you know, wasn't huge, but that it was really pretty. And there was like the, a little oasis around it. I'm like, okay, I want to see that. So, <laughs> oh, David, he's so <laughs> patient. <laughs> so I look up how to find it. And, you know, of course, it's on a really back road. It's a gravelly washboarded road. And so the whole way back there, you know, the truck is shaking and Connie's shaking. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, we get clear out to the, <clears throat> the trailhead to go to this waterfall. And it was almost a two mile walk to get there. Okay. So okay. I'm like, okay, that was intimidating for me right there. You know, am uh -huh. I going to be able to do that? Because I was still so dizzy and I, I called it wonky, you know, yeah. every, every footstep I'm placing my feet carefully. So, and it's through um, kind of a rough gravelly trail to get back there, but we stopped, we took breaks, we took water. And so, we, we made it almost to the waterfall where I come across what, what was going to be such a, a big obstacle for me. Now, to anyone else, they might have looked at it and thought, so what? It's a big rock. Okay, so in front of me is yeah. a great big rock, like right in the pathway. Big. Mm -hmm. It's probably, I don't know, maybe it was six feet high and six feet wide and real craggy. But it was jammed in where on one side you would have to go up kind of a little scrambly trail to get around it. The other side, it was cactus. So you couldn't go that way. And so I had a decision. I'm standing there looking at this rock and I thought, well, I can't climb it. So I'm going to have to go around it. But when I tried to go up that gravelly um, path, I kept losing my footing because I was so bad, so imbalanced. And it, it was really scary. I just, I couldn't do it. Aww. And so I'm standing now in front of this rock. I've just walked two miles <laughs> and, you know, and I want to see the waterfall. And I know the waterfall is on the other side. And I just start crying. And I'm like, uh -huh. I made it this far. I can't believe I'm not going to get to see it. And I'm just like, no, David, you just go, you just go see the waterfall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just go around it. <laughs> you take pictures for me. So one of us needs to see it. And, and he's like, no, I'm not going to go without you. I'm like, no, just go, just go. So it was pathetic. It really was pathetic. So he did. He went around <clears throat> and he just stood there. He stood there long enough for me to say, to get mad and say, I'm not going to let this stop me. No, I refuse to let this stop me. So I'm going, David, David, come back. Come back. Will you help me? So he's like, I knew you were going to do this. I'm right here. So he comes back. Now to get me up over that <laughs> That was funny. That was, <laughs> that was funny because I had to crawl. I had to scooch. He had to push me up, <laughs> and he had to go around the other side of the rock and catch me as I'm sliding down this, this other side of the rock, going ow, 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 ow. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. So I can only 
I, but I felt such a huge sense of accomplishment. It was the first time I really tackled something like that, you know, since yeah. the attack. Mm. And so we made it to the waterfall. It, it was beautiful. It, it was so beautiful. And we took a selfie. It's one of my favorite selfies we've ever taken with the two of us with that waterfall in the background. And I just had the look of victory on my face. (laughs) (laughs) I was so grateful. I just so grateful to God um, for helping me do that. And God and David, I mean, he's the one that really, (laughs) he helped me. Now you remember when we came back, I had to do the same thing again. Yeah. At least I had some practice and experience that at that time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that must have made so you made feel it. like, rock- yes, yes, you made it. And that must have made you feel like, yes, okay, I can, right. And now you could kind of tackle anything as you, you know, went on yeah. your journey. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. It really, it, a big sense of accomplishment and mm-hmm. a confidence booster for me. So, and, yeah. and, you know, the payoff was, of course, getting, getting to experience that waterfall for myself, not just through David's pictures. Yeah. So, yes. Nice. We're, so, good, we're a good team. We were a good team. Yeah. <laughs> now you've left all of your wonderful God stories in a book. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. I have the book. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the book is called Putting Stress in the Rearview Mirror, A Journey to Let Go of Unreasonable Expectations. And I think that we all just stopped and went, <gasps> Yeah, unreasonable expectations. We all have them and yeah. put them on yeah. ourselves. So, yes. you know, we've heard, yeah. you know, your story. So when was the point where you really felt prompted to write about your experiences? Well, we were actually um, sitting at the Colorado River. I, I can picture it in my mind still, that beautiful green water. Um, we had a, we were in Bureau of Land Management land, um, parked out in the desert next to the Colorado River. And I had started journaling as just part of my therapy. I would write some things every day. I've always known that I was supposed to be a writer. I was supposed to be writing. I've always known that. Um, But God told me that day very clearly. He said, this is not the book that you ever thought you would be writing, but it's the book that I intend for you to write now. And mm-hmm. so he told me, this is the time and I will give it to you. Um, I will give it to you. And so start writing, start getting serious about writing a little bit every day. And it was very hard in the beginning because I just looking at the computer screen gave me a horrible migraine. And so I started maybe 15 minutes a day. I'd start typing and then, you know, maybe it would be a half an hour a day, a little, little by little almost every day, I started putting notes into the computer, things that we saw, experiences that we had, God encounters, and uh, little by little, over the, we were gone for five months. We went 19,000 miles, wow. and so we were gone for five months, and so I began to put it together, you know, in the form of some chapters, and by the time we got home, I had most of the chapters uh, fleshed out mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. and, over, you know, over those months, God just really, it, he expanded on me, you know, expounded what it meant 
what what are unreasonable expectations and why are they so devastating? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what I love about your book, Connie, because I have read it. <laughs> was that, you have. Uh, I know. Yes, we have. <laughs> Not only uh, brought up your own personal experiences, but you showed us where God met you in them and the lesson he was teaching you through those different yes. uh, trials. And so I, that could be helpful for anybody, whether they're going through a health crisis or not. It, you know, That's and, right. And letting go of those expectations is very hard for us humans to do. So lead yeah. us lead us through how you let go of a of the, the ringing in your ears and, you know, that kind of a thing. Is that you still have ongoing issues or did those all get resolved with writing a book? No, I would love to I would love to say that they all resolved, you know, when, when through writing the book, but they have not all resolved, but they are getting less and less impactful on me, less and less. I, I am experiencing far less symptoms that I, that I did. And the symptoms that I do experience are milder. They're, they're getting, they're getting less, I guess, less impactful. Yeah. Um, But I, I think that it was important for me to write the book from the perspective of somebody who was still experiencing it. Um, my, my daughter, Amy told me, she says, mom, I'm, I think people will appreciate the fact that this is not a book you wrote 10 years after you were all healed and all better, you know, that you are walking people through so that they can better identify maybe with something that they're going through and experiencing, you know, you're not, you're, it's a little bit raw in places you're vulnerable, but that's, that's the blessing of the book. You know, people yeah. can, they can identify with with parts of it they there's something in there for everyone who is dealing with with any type of stress or anxiety or the unreasonable expectations you know god put he this is his book that's how i look at it i know it is i i remember typing saying wow god this is good (laughs) yeah because he was giving it to me he was just like i was just downloading it i was typing going wow yeah god this is good stuff (laughs) <laughs> yes, it's from him. <laughs> <laughs> well, like Danielle said, we've we've both read the book, and and we can tell you that you are going just to in, not only enjoy her stories, you're going to be able to relate. You're going to be able to say, "Wow, God!" along with her and, and the and the paths that he has taken, uh, taken Connie and her husband David along the way uh, on their journey out west. And now, you real quickly here, you are now back out west you're in montana uh for the next few months you've been there for a while Let, tell us what you're doing now where has god led you so you know um crazy as it sounds <laughs> um we started hearing about work camping like on on youtube there's some uh people that we follow on youtube that are full-time you know full-timers are being and we started hearing about work camping and i thought wow you know we we wanted to get back to montana um or other you know know, beautiful states we love how could we get out to these states and get paid while we're traveling how could and you know how can we do that and so i i found a website called workcamper.com 
where they post opportunities that are available all around the country. Mm-hmm. We submitted our resume, and within five hours, I had several offers. I'm like, well, we have some marketable skills here, apparently. <laughs> you know, David was a builder for 40, 45 years, and um, you know, I, I worked in social services all those years. So, uh, but God showed us that it's really a dual purpose we're here for. Yes, we're here. We're working for this beautiful resort where we're staying at. It's called the Lodge and Resort at Lake Mary Ronan, and it's beautiful. It is a beautiful place. We have a beautiful view every day. You know, they're, they're wonderful people that we're working for, but it's more than that. It's, we're, we're here on a mission, and we knew it. You know, God has let us know that we're called to the ones, you know, Jesus left the 99 and went looking for the ones. And that's that's our mission. And he puts them in front of us here in this area almost every day. We've mm-hmm. prayed with a woman whose daughter was killed in a car accident. We've prayed with a man whose son committed suicide. You know, we, we've given away dozens of books to people that we've met that are so still caught in stress and anxiety and worry and fear. And, you know, I don't have to go out beating the bushes for them. God is bringing them across our pathway everywhere we go. So we're so blessed to be serving him this way. Hmm. Wow. Right. Amazing. Wow. What a wonderful time we've had traveling with Connie and her husband, David, yes. that are now in Montana and doing the work for the Lord. And my takeaway, Lori, it, it comes down to one word. This time, one word. Can Whoa. you believe it? Ah. <laughs> it's amazing. And that is trust. Trust. Trust, trust yeah. has been a huge word for Connie. It's a huge word for me, as I know it is for you, Lori. And, uh, you know, not knowing all the answers mm-hmm. and being okay with that. And yeah. just being patient with God about how he is leading you and being content in the circumstances, even though they might be very uncomfortable being willing to sit with him in that trust to know that as the best plan for our lives. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And mine goes right hand in hand. Mine is obey. (laughs) My word is obey, trust and obey. And, you know, like we all do as humans, we, uh, we fight what God is calling us to because we like it too much or it doesn't make sense in, in our in our brains that we should do this or we should leave a job or what have you. But, you know, yeah. and, and maybe, Connie, we like we all do, we learn a little the hard way sometimes. But, you know, God got you in a place where he needed you to truly speak to you about what this next chapter is. Uh, no pun intended, yeah. pun intended or not intended. I don't know. This next chapter <laughs> in your life of writing and traveling. And oh, it's just, I, I can't speak enough to Connie's stories and what you're going to experience along with her in her book, uh, Putting Stress in the Rearview Mirror. We all put unreasonable expectations on ourselves. And I think we're all going to learn something from this book. So Connie, let us know how we can keep up with you and your travels and your writing and how we can get a hold of your book. Okay, really quickly, though, I need to say one thing before I do that, because I hope my takeaway, I want want this to be my takeaway to the folks listening. In the book I write, I believe it's an unreasonable expectation for us to think that we ourselves can carry the hurts and troubles we encounter 
on a daily basis without eventually being crushed by them if we don't unload them onto Jesus and learn how to leave them there. Ah, uh, yes, yes. So that's, that's what I, I want people to take away, and that's why I want them to, um, you know, check out this book because there's, there's so much in it that, that hinges around that. Um, so they can go to my website, www.adventureswiththemillers.com adventures with the millers.com <laughs> or uh, the book is also available on amazon they can you know you can search it on amazon it's available in paperback or ebook um so putting stress in the rear view mirror a journey to let go of unreasonable expectations god wants to deliver you from your unreasonable expectations yes mm-hmm. yes nice Nice. Connie, thank you so much again for joining us today on Women of Grace in the Marketplace. It's it's always a delight to talk to you and hear your stories and and we're and it, and it was great to catch up with you and what you're doing now too. Yeah. It's it's you know Janelle and I yeah. have been on this journey with you for several years, so it's uh, yeah. great to see where God uh, has taken you and your book. So again, if you have any questions for us here at Women of Grace in the Marketplace, you can always email us at womenofgraceinthemarketplace at gmail.com. If you didn't catch the whole show, you can listen to it in its entirety where you like to listen to your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We'll see you next time.